Welcome to Economics Amplified, a podcast where we talk about insights on today's biggest economic issues being tackled by researchers at UChicago's Beggar Friedman Institute. In today's episode, we talk with Ben Brooks, a research fellow at the Institute interested in how incomplete information complicates classical game theory. This summer, Brooks organized a conference bringing together experts in mathematical modeling, incomplete information, and game theory. Researchers highlighted important developments in modeling information in auctions and continuous games, as well as the relationship between information and behavior in the era of the internet and big data. The theory of information in games is a much more general topic uh, that's been around you know, for a long time, long before uh, you know, the advent of the internet and, and all these new sources of, uh, of large amounts of information. But that being said, you know, there, there are a couple of ways in which um, uh, it's impacted economic theory. You know, one is that um, you know, there are a lot of new problems, I, I suppose, that are associated with um, understanding strategic behavior, how to design institutions, taking into account that people will behave strategically, uh, that interact directly with data. And so there were a couple of papers at the conference uh, that were you know, relating to uh, big data or the internet economy in these ways. You know, one of the papers was called uh, Selling Experiments, which was uh, presented by Dirk Bergman from Yale. And uh, you know, Dirk's paper, which I should say was joint work also with, uh, with Alex Smolin and uh, Alessandro Bonatti. Uh, so they're looking at um, how uh, some intermediary who has, say, a lot of information about uh, consumers' preferences uh, or about some, you know, some other, uh, this intermediary has some information that, say, sellers of a good would like to have. You know, an example could be information about a body of consumers uh, and how much they might be willing to pay for a good. And that intermediary wants to sell the information um, in, in order to make a profit. So this is kind of a common situation that has uh, arisen in the internet economy, which is that uh, there are uh, some companies which collect data about uh, individual users and then sell that information to others uh, in order to, to generate revenue. So for example, the New York Times, uh, you know, they have uh, cookies that uh, track uh, you know, who's accessing their website. And then there are certain corporations that produce products that are particularly of interest to the people who use the New York, who, who read the New York Times. So the New York Times sells the information about those consumers to, to third parties uh, so that they can say target uh, the New York Times users with advertising. So you know, Dirk's paper was to some extent about how to how how uh, the New York Times might want to structure information about its consumers in order to maximize profit. A few presentations centered around how classical game theory concepts can help us confront new questions that can be asked of massive new data sets. Sylvain Chesang of Princeton University presented work on data-driven incentive alignment in healthcare capitation schemes, exploring whether the information collected from big data could help identify patient characteristics that historically shared lower costs of treatment. Brooks describes how Chesang's paper, co-authored with Mark Braverman, looks at the relationship between big data and payment costs for healthcare service providers. There are public healthcare systems like Medicare and Medicaid, and uh, in some situations, the government will um, set up a program whereby private providers of insurance 
could take on the responsibility of caring uh, for a particular patient, and then the government will compensate the private insurer with a fee. And the question is, how should the government set the fee in order to make sure that those private insurers are going to take on the patient uh, who is actually more efficient uh, to treat in the private sector? And uh, you know, this is definitely an issue of big data because uh, you know, patients have all sorts of different characteristics uh, that uh, could be used to predict how much it's going to cost to treat them. And the government wants to make sure that they're calibrating the amount that they pay uh, so that it's commensurate with the actual cost of, of treating that individual. And there's some concern that if private uh, insurers had more information about how much it costs to treat a particular group of people, they could try to take advantage of the system and, uh, and make extra money at the government's expense. So, you know, it's very important for the government to be pricing uh, the reimbursement for taking on a patient correctly. And so, so Ben's paper was talking at, at kind of a high, uh, a high level how the government might go about trying to figure out what, it, what are the right uh, prices and how to structure incentives for private insurers and for those uh, agencies within the government who do these calculations to make sure that they're arriving at the right numbers. You know, information um, could have a few different you know, meanings, I suppose, or, or manifestations. You know, one aspect of information is, um, you know, like we were just saying, uh, uh, data about uh, characteristics of individuals, uh, say the kind of data that you can collect on the internet. Uh, but there are other kinds of information, for example, just, you know, information about individuals' preferences. And, uh, you know, that's, that kind of information is important both on the large scale with big data, but it's also important on a small scale. While big data was one topic of discussion at the conference, most of the research focused on how models can predict the relationship between incomplete information, behavior, and incentives in situations where people have private knowledge. Take the popular experiment, the prisoner's dilemma, for example. Imagine that you and a friend are members of a criminal gang and are arrested and placed in solitary confinement with no means of communicating with one another. The prosecutors question each of you separately, and you and your friend have the choice to either betray the other by testifying that he or she committed the crime, or cooperate by remaining silent. In this game, there are three possible outcomes. You both betray each other and serve two years in prison. You betray your friend, but your friend remains silent and serves three years in prison while you are set free, or vice versa. Or, both of you remain silent and each of you serves one year in prison. Brooks explains how iterative or repeated games can change the initial outcome of a game. Petula Sugaya and Alexander Wolitsky's research on equilibrium payoff in repeated games provides a good example of generalizing models with incomplete information. You know, it's hard to sustain cooperation if you only play the game once. On the other hand, if you played the game uh, a lot, if you, if you had sort of future interactions that were coming, then actually it might be able to support cooperation if you believe that others are going to change their behavior in the future in response to how you behaved in the past. So for example, say you and I get caught every single week by the police because you know we're really uh, inveterate criminals and uh, you know, we, we just can't help ourselves from, from stealing constantly. At any rate, we keep getting caught by the police and you and I both know that if one of us cheats on our agreement to keep our mouths shut this week, then our cooperation is over. You know, forever after we're gonna we're gonna immediately turn one another in, okay? which is worse for both of us. On the other hand, if neither of us turns the other in, 
then, we know that in the future we're going to behave cooperatively and we're not going to turn each other in the future. And actually, that kind of a, a, an agreement, an implicit agreement, could sustain uh, cooperative behavior. Because you know that it's true, you could cheat on the other person today and gain a little bit, a slightly uh, smaller sentence this week. But then next week, you're going to be hurt by that because you no longer have the benefit of the cooperative agreement. Okay. So repeated games are kind of a, an important class of models for understanding cooperative behavior and uh, dynamic incentives of this kind. And uh, you know, as with uh, you know, our previous discussion about, about uh, solution concepts and, and generalizing models to incomplete information, people have also thought about uh, repeated games where there are informational frictions. These informational frictions can be very important. And, um, and Takuo Sugaya presented a paper that was talking about uh, the set of equilibria in repeated games, so the kind of behaviors that can be sustained through these kinds of dynamic incentives uh, in settings where there are these kinds of informational frictions. In general, you know, these models are, are um, you know, it's easy to write down a very simple model that actually has many, many complicated solutions. Um, and uh, they're honestly quite difficult to understand uh, or, or to get a, uh, get a uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to catalog all of the solutions to this game. And at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that we'd like to do with these models is take them to uh, real data sets and, and try to, uh, you know, test whether or not the theory is a good predictor of behavior. Uh, and it's a challenge if, you know, we've got this great simple model of dynamic incentives, but we can't find uh, exactly what the equilibria should look like. You know, so we, we sort of don't have that link between the model and, and the behavior. Uh, so what Takuro, Takuro was talking about was um, a general theory of how to solve these games. And uh, not solve for all of the equilibria, but in certain situations get a sense of what the equilibria looks like. Other presenters at the conference included Takuro Yamashita from the Toulouse School of Economics, Jeff Eli and Yingyi Guo from Northwestern University, Gabriel Carroll of Stanford University, and Philip Rainey of the University of Chicago. The conference gave researchers the opportunity to share new ideas and topics within the classic field of auctions and game theory. Looking forward, Brooks hopes to expand the discussion of incomplete information in games beyond just economics. It would be great to uh, explore more the, uh, the, the themes of uh, you know, the relationship between economics and computer science. I think as time goes on, we're seeing more and more convergence between the kinds of questions that economists are asking and the ones that computer scientists are asking. Because you know, with things like uh, uh, big data and the internet economy, you see the convergence of uh, engineering challenges, which is something that certainly computer scientists have been thinking about for a long time. You know, what kinds of institutions is it even feasible to implement? given com computational complexity and things like that, computing, uh, you know, limitations of computing resources. And, you know, from the economic side, incentives. Understanding that if you just ask people for information, they're not going to always tell you the truth. You know, they're going to say whatever is, uh, or they may say whatever is, uh, is best for them in terms of what they get out of the institution. So building tractable institutions that also take into account incentives really bringing together the tools of those two disciplines. So I think that's something that would be exciting to explore more, you know, and, and certainly including more directly uh, computer scientists in the discussion.
Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes of Economics Amplified on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and on our website. Our theme music is by Boris Mantu, whom you can listen to on SoundCloud. The show is produced with help from Tony Shears and Mark Richards, and edited by Farron Suarez. That's me. The Becker Friedman Institute for Research in Economics advances inquiry that illuminates our choices, our economy, our society, and our future. To learn more about the Institute, visit bfi.uchicago.edu.